If you are an HR professional, business owner, or at the operations level trying to understand what people want, you may be struggling. Our systems have been shocked, practices have been questioned, and culture is the leading conversation. Let's learn how culture is created, sustained, and why it should be the leading conversation when discussing hiring, training, and retention. This is the foundation of any business, and it's time to address it. So tune in to Let's Talk HR, humanizing the conversation. We tackle topics that influencers of change need to understand and struggle to overcome every day, such as where to start and what the new workforce wants and how to attract and keep positive momentum going. I'm your host, Leanne Lovely. Leslie O'Connell ignites the purpose, potential, and performance of leaders and teams. As founder and principal of Team OC3, Leslie is an executive coach, communications counselor, and catalyst. She works with C-suite executives, senior leaders, and rising leaders of progressive, mid-size, and growing organizations to envision the culture they want to create, adapt, and innovate through nonstop change and empower greatness in their people. Leslie coaches leaders to grow their emotional intelligence, amplify their confidence, and break through barriers that are holding them back. Leslie built a successful career as a senior corporate communications leader for Fortune 100 companies and a large global agency, leading teams as large as 45. In addition to executive coaching, Leslie is an author, blogger, workshop facilitator, and speaker on leadership and professional branding. Beyond work, Leslie thrives on power walks, working out, yoga, volunteering to fight food insecurities and to adapt the arts and planning her family's next travel adventure. This is going to be an amazing, fun conversation and I'm looking forward to it. Welcome, Leslie. I'm so excited to have you join me today. Oh, it's just a pleasure to be with you, Leanne. So why don't you start out by uh, telling me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I think of myself as a believer in best days at work and creating more best days at work for leaders, for employees, for teams, for companies. And uh, what that means is both the experience of day-to-day -day work and the performance, uh, the potential, the purpose of organizations. I'm an executive coach and communications consultant. Today, I run my own uh, firm called Team OC3, and I also work with a firm called Cavendish Vernal as an executive coach and consultant. Uh, however, my career has spanned more than 25 years as an executive communications uh, leader in Fortune 100 organizations, also with a large global agency. And I've led teams from a few people uh, to as many as 45. So I've been where leaders have been, and I bring that perspective to what I do. That's that's awesome. And I love that you start off by saying, <clears throat> and how did you say that, bringing best days every yeah, day? Yeah, I believe there, are more be there can be more best days at work because when it comes down to it, you know, we all want to be productive at work, mm -hmm. but we want to feel good about what we do. And, you know, when we go home and talk to our partner, our kids, our dog, you know, we want to say, hey, you know, I feel good that, you know, I did this today or we did that today mm -hmm. or that this week we delivered that. What is that? You know, oh, it's it's Monday. You know, I, I it, it drives me crazy. Like, oh, what is it like the case of the Mondays or something? It drives me crazy when people say that because I've never experienced that. I look forward to Mondays like I, I love my job. I love my I love what I do for a living. And, and I always wondered when people were like, oh, God, Monday's coming. Work is coming. And I'm like, wait you not like what you do and if you don't why why aren't you changing it right yeah we have choice for sure and i know what you mean i have uh, a former co-worker who you know had like the sunday sads you know it would get to be five o'clock on a sunday night and he would 
you know, sort of like go into this slump of, you know, oh, the work week is ahead. And, you know, that would only, then the work, the week would get better as it went on. But truly, if we are living into our strengths, living into our talents, if we're in an environment where we can grow and thrive, our work week should be, you know, really good. And, you know, sure, we have life outside of work, but it's a part of who we are and let's make the best of it. Mm -hmm. Well, we spend how much time at work, right? And you would you would think that people would thrive to try to have a second family at you know where they work. And I just I, I, I don't understand the people who go to work and are miserable because you spend 40 hours plus. Or more, right? Or more. With, 50, 60. Right. Doing that job with those individuals that you're doing it with if you're in an office or if you're not on Teams meetings, Zoom meetings, on one way or another interacting with these people. And if you don't like them, it's going to be a miserable 40 plus hours every week that you're spending. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of that to me comes from the tone that is set for a company and organization, the tone that is set from the top, um, the environment that leaders at the top want to create. But it also becomes very personal and, you know, how employees in a team interact, how their leader sets a tone and sets a direction for the team, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. So you're out on your own. You have your, your business owner team, OC3. So when did you decide, you know, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the, the entrepreneurial leap. And I'm going to go out on my own. Was there a defining moment for you that that you knew or was it the progression of, yeah, this is this is going to work. I'm going to kind of dip my toe. And you know, well, what how did that evolve? Yeah. So at the end of 2019, um, my role was eliminated at the company that I had worked for for 17 years as a vice president. And uh, for the first time in my career since college, I had no place to go on Monday morning, um, that first Monday in January. And that was a big, a big hit for sure, because mm -hmm. I love what I do and I love work. Um, I thrive on the community and the connection, the people and the impact that we all create at work. And so for me, it was a journey. There wasn't a moment that it was like, gosh, now I'm going to go and start my own business. I had worked for large companies for close to 30 years, and uh, that was my second home. And so for me, that first year became a year of reimagination. Um, it was a year of exploring, discovering. I really committed myself to networking, um, getting acquainted with a new and broader circle of people. Um, and those people were so instrumental for me uh, in helping me um, recognize talents that I didn't fully appreciate in myself and, uh, and how I could parlay those talents in a different way than I had in the past. I was also at a point in my career where I felt like I had accomplished uh, really most of what I had wanted to accomplish in the corporate world, and yet I didn't quite know how to open that next door. So that journey of reimagination took me to an international coaching program. Um, I earned my ACC, my Associate Certified Coach credential through the International Coaching Federation. I started on a coaching path with an organization and just kind of opened windows, opened doors along the way. And so about a year and a half ago in early 2021, I said, why not? And this was based on the encouragement of friends, colleagues, um, others who had gone this path before me. 
and uh, launched my own LLC uh, through networking, started to build a core of clients. Uh, and it's just grown and unfolded from there. And there is no turning back, Leanne. It is the place that I am meant to be. That's amazing. That's that's awesome. So it was kind of an organic growth with intent. That's a great way to put it. Organic with intent. It was sort of informed hunchmanship to use uh, a phrase that one of my bosses has used over the years. Um, is that you know you gather data, you gather information, you equip yourself, and then it becomes more clear where that path is leading. Yeah, yeah, it's like walking in the dark towards the light, and the closer you get to the light, eventually it becomes clear as to where you're going. That's, absolutely, that's that's absolutely amazing. And um, you know, I think that all of us have had those pivotal moments in our lives where we're we're kind of in the dark as to, okay, where do we go from here? And I think that the world <laughs> collectively together just experienced, you know, kind of something similar to that. We, you know, the pandemic hit and we all went, okay, this will be over in a couple of weeks. And then when a couple of weeks went by, turned to months and we're all kind of going around, you know, we're walking in the dark going, okay, um, well, it's not going to be a couple of weeks. Clearly it's not going to be a couple of months. Now we're, you know, we went you know, two years to finally, it's like, okay, well, the world's open again. <laughs> now what? <laughs> right. And, and you know, um, it, it brings to mind an experience. Um, a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, I uh, accompanied my daughter and her confirmation class on uh, their uh what they call their East Coast road trip, the East Coast of Wisconsin, visiting different parks and camping. And that is very much out of my comfort zone. I am not a sleep in a tent under the stars kind of gal. Um, and then the end of the trip was a caving expedition where we went 40 feet underground in a real live cave. Um, and you know, where at times we were uh, scooching along on our bellies in a wet and muddy cave. So, you know, damp, cold, wet, um, you know, I was game. I knew what I was getting into sort of, but by the time those two hours had elapsed, like I could not wait to get out. And, uh, and it's a metaphor of, you know, like the only way to it, the only way to the light is through it. And mm -hmm. so I've used that metaphor of the cave experience as not only my own career and career turning points, but as I've also worked with people who are making career transitions, either by choice or because a choice has been thrust upon them, people feel very much at odds and in the dark at those junctures. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it is about finding those moments of light um, that lead you more into the light. And mm -hmm. as you shared, the world has experienced a really massive uh, global universal cave experience mm -hmm. and we're coming back into the light now. Yeah, that's, and wow. that. <laughs> I don't know that I would do the whole you know, two hours in, in the cave, but that I commend you for that. <laughs> and, you and know, I could, you had, I was surrounded by a bunch of 16, 17 year olds who are like, come on, you can do it. You know? And, and while they're not my peers, I was definitely feeling the peer pressure. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, wow. That's, and that, Hey, and you, you're able to take that, that experience and utilize that and or not utilize but I mean everything that we experience we're able to somehow I guess not everything but you know use those life experiences to explain or to you know give examples in some way of of the professional world or real world you know it, it, examples of thing it's it, that was just a great it, analogy that you I'm trying to say that in a very bad way there we go yeah well I mean analogy. clearly clearly the it was a cave experience for mm -hmm. me to uh you know to lose my job 
um, and to then really think about how do I reimagine, reinvent the next stage of my career. And uh, so, yeah, it uh, that cave experience was uh, was a metaphor for my my own career experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So speaking of your career now, um, tell me a little bit about what that is. What what are you how are you working with companies? How are you, you know, tell me a little bit about what Team OC3 does. Sure. So we focus on executive coaching, and that's on a one-on-one basis uh, with leaders. And that can be C-suite. I have CEO uh, clients, uh, senior other senior executives, but also aspiring leaders. You know, people who are perhaps taking on leadership for the very first time. Um, and of course, nobody hands you the how-to manual when that happens. Um, or, you know, leaders who have been in place for a number of years who just know that they want to grow, um, grow their impact, um, grow their effectiveness, grow their capabilities. And so we do that both with one-on-one coaching of uh, leaders and executives, um, as well as through facilitated workshop and retreat experiences. Um, the reason that team is in my uh, business name is that I do team up with other experts in organizational development, learning and development, uh, and uh, uh, who are coaches and consultants as well, so that we bring the right mix of skills and capabilities and experiences to each particular client. That's that's amazing. So if you're if you starting real world example example here. So if I were to approach you and say, hey, Leslie, I really want to level up. Can you help me? How would you go about beginning with with me? Yeah, so we start with a discovery and that can be as informal, conversational to as formal as is appropriate or relevant for the individual. So um, for some, that's just getting acquainted, asking um, a series of questions to understand um, where they're at in their career, what kind of environment they're in, what has changed in their organization, uh, often what they see as an opportunity or a pivot point. Um, many of the executives I work with um, have recently made a change, take it on expanded responsibilities or a different role either in the organization or in a new organization. And as you said, want to upskill, uplevel um, their capability as a leader. Um, or it can be more formalized too, Leanne, uh, where we do uh, a 360 assessment. So, you know, having an individual select uh, a group of 15 to 20 uh, individuals who are direct reports, peers, um, or superiors, uh, and have them complete a formal online survey um, that then uh, synthesizes the feedback and the themes from those individuals about what they see as my client's strengths or and areas of opportunity or growth that often reveals blind spots for someone both on the positive and on the constructive side sometimes people don't realize their strengths and how their strengths are having a positive impact um, and uh, they also maybe aren't aware or don't fully appreciate some of the blind spots uh, that they have. Um, and then there's sometimes an in-between um, where I've done, you know, just one-on-one -on -one interviews with three or four individuals who work with my client um, to get a sense again of strengths, blind spots, opportunities, uh, things that can help an individual gain more self-awareness and then determine how they want to use that information to uh, grow and improve. Interesting. So are you, when, 
so does the individual usually approach you or is it an organization? Because because I don't like for me, you're talking about, you know, interviewing like either superiors or people who report would report to me if I had a, you know, a group of individuals who report to me. And that's that's so awesome that, you know, you could go interview them on a confidential basis and say, you know, I, w- I want to talk to you about you know, Leanne Lovely and her management style. And the goal is to help her understand better what she's great at, understand better what she's mediocre at, and where maybe some blind spots are are that she's not aware of that we can help her get better at. Or for me, I, you know, I'm a strong, confident individual. I'd be like, yeah, do that because that can only make me better. But I gotta, I gotta guess that there are some people out there would that would be like, no, you're, no, you're not going to do that. Like, yeah. And it does, it does, uh, take a willingness to be a bit vulnerable to put oneself in a learning mode and Mm -hmm. to welcome that, um, reality check, if you will. And, uh, and that's not always easy, even for confident leaders to, um, hear what others have to say about them and and you know now 360 assessments are when they're done in an appropriately professional way they are very growth oriented uh, with a sense of kindness of learning of um, understanding how to grow Mm -hmm. and uh, and so, and that's really the role of a professional coach or a professional organizational development co- uh, consultant who is trained in how to do that in a way that is helpful and productive um, for an individual. Right. But as you say, um, this isn't for someone who is really reluctant because they're not at a point of readiness mm-hmm. to grow. Right. Right. They're not going to anything you say to them, they're they're It's going to be they're going to take us. Well, they're going to probably not handle the feedback well. It'll be defensive. And right. uh, and so, um, you know, it's sort of like, um, you know, working out or working on our health or physical fitness is that we have to be ready to be all in and to make the commitment that this is something that's going to benefit me. Um, I'm going to stick with this because uh, a coaching relationship does take a lot of work and commitment. And while there's a lot of powerful uh, aha moments that do come in the midst of a coaching conversation, a coaching session, the work happens in between. It comes as an individual reflects on their learnings, applies new techniques on the job or at home in what they do. Mm-hmm. So it absolutely needs readiness and commitment on the part of um, that leader or that employee. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very so. The people who are engaging you are individuals. They're not typically companies. Is that actually right? it's both? Um, it's both. Okay. You know, it's a both and. Uh, so I do work with individuals, uh, and often that happens when they're at a career pivot point, um, okay. seeking to get more out of their career and wanting to understand how they can better grow and position themselves for the future. And I work with organizations where, uh, you know, from the CEO to other senior executives, um, and that uh, can be an an individual basis. I have a CEO who came to me and just um, was taking on a newly expanded role and really wanted to work with a coach to help grow um, her and her skills. Um, and, um, or it can be, you know, a group, um, with, 
the firm Cavendish Vernal that I mentioned. Um, we're working with an organization where uh, seven of us coaches are coaching a group of uh, 14 leaders in the organization. You know, each of us has uh, two or three clients. Uh, and then we're also then able to um, distill systemic themes that uh, are either helping or hindering the organization too. So, so it happens on all points um, of that individual to organization. And that's, it's okay. So now you just touched on something that I, that I have to, you know, dig into a little bit. So companies, you know, obviously culture and, and you and I were just talking about this starts with managers, starts with leaders, starts from the top because everybody at, you know, it, it, and you know, they, what shit rolls downhill, right. <laughs> to throw out something that's, you know, that's right. So, yeah, you know, I call it the uh, shadow of a leader. And so that's the shadow of the CEO, the shadow of the senior leadership team, the shadow of the team's manager. Um, that shadow casts a light for better or for worse mm -hmm. on the organization, the department, the unit, the team. So working with you know, the senior leaders, the executive, the C-suite, if you are, if you're a business, you're an organization wanting to make a true impact on the culture, you know, and I've seen this mistake happen where they're like, oh, we're working on the culture. We're working to change the culture and they're working on, and, and I always use manufacturing floor or they're working, and I shouldn't always use that example, but you know, they're like, oh, we're out there. We're trying to rally the troops. And, and I go, okay, that's great. It, it's awesome that you're trying to get the, you know, you know, the main population of your organization on board with this, but you still have, you know, a major problem with your C-suite that doesn't want to engage with the employees or, you know, they still are acting the same way that they were before you took this on this initiative. Sorry, but nothing is going to change. It's going to default back to where it was over and over and over and over again because of exactly what you just said, you know, the shadow of, you know, that they're always going to revert back because it eventually just continues to come back through the managed upper management. And they are the people who drive ultimately decisions, culture, attitudes, because everybody's looking to them for their leadership. Absolutely. We all look up. It's human nature. And, you know, we're looking at what is, what is the CEO? What is he or she doing? What is uh, his or her approach? Um, I'll take the, an example of an organization that we're working with. And um, there was a CEO change about a year and a half ago. And the previous CEO had a very command and control sort of approach to leadership and management. It was about telling, not asking. It was about directing. It was not an environment of dialogue and openness. There wasn't a lot of transparency. And so the organization largely followed suit. There were pockets where, uh, where individual leaders were trying to create more of a servant leadership uh, approach. Um, but that is only going to uh, take root, uh, you know, on a more, uh, you know, segmented team basis, mm -hmm. because ultimately the shadow of that command and control senior leader is uh, influencing uh, his or her leadership team, um, and how they uh, respond and are rewarded, mm -hmm. uh, and and so on. Um, and then uh, a new CEO was appointed who has a vision for much more of an emotionally intelligence-based servant leadership, um, inclusive, 
egalitarian uh, kind of culture that she wants to engender because she has done that at previous organizations and she sees the value to the satisfaction, retention, attraction, growth of employees. And so it's a different way of thinking. Um, culture does not happen with a flip of a switch. It takes a very concerted effort across multiple levels um, and needs to really filter through an organization over time. But she has invited coaching for herself, for members of her leadership team, and she's introduced um, workshops for uh, their leadership group at large, a group of about uh, 65 people who are learning leadership in a different kind of way. So, and that's awesome. I mean, that that is amazing. And, but so here's the, you know, the question that immediately pops into my head, which is one, yes, how, how long, but two, you know, what is going to be the turnover ratio? Of, because, you know, obviously you get a new, a new person in there who's going to flip everything on its head. Now, depending on how long that other person was in there running things the way that they were running them, you have a group of people who have gotten so conditioned to do it one way, right? And we are, we are our conditioning. We are our, I mean, that is routine. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. So in this particular example, uh, three of her leadership team members opted to leave the organization. Uh, you know, they uh, started their own uh, job search, you know, by choice, not mm -hmm. by invitation, uh, just because they realized that, you know, this is not the way I've been conditioned or the way right. that I value leading. Um, and, you know, you can't say one style is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. They're different um, and they have different purposes. And so uh, so in this case, you know, three of the 12 uh, senior leadership team members opted to leave. Um, and that itself starts to create a regeneration across the organization, too. Right. And that uh, and, and what you said not one or the other necessarily is wrong if it's conducive to a healthy work environment um i would have to say that nowadays people don't want the do as i say not as i do or the barking of orders more and more people are are looking for that more inclusive you know environment a, a the world's been flipped on its head there there people are demanding a much health you know happier easier work environment. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and people are at a point of um, speaking up, of voicing what matters to them in the workplace more than ever before. Um, you know, certainly that has been a part of more progressive organizations, but, um, you know, people really want more out of their workplace. Um, you know, I, I talk about the five B's, if you will, that people want to, one, they want to believe um, in a vision, in a purpose. Um, they want to feel like there is uh, a mission for their organization or their team. Um, they want to belong. They want to feel that they are included and take pride in belonging to something that is bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, people want to be heard. Uh, you know, they do want to have a voice um, and that that voice is acknowledged and respected. Um, I think employees recognize that they're not always going to be the decision makers. The decision isn't always going to go their way but they want to at least have their feedback, their voice heard. Um, 
they want to be stretched. You know, I think we all want to grow and thrive and, uh, and expand our capabilities or take on different or new responsibilities over time. Um, and then finally, uh, and this goes back to that, you know, what makes a best day of, at work is that um, we want to feel like um, we're, a di we're the difference. We want to be the difference, you know, that what we do matters. It has an impact. It makes life better for our customers or our clients or, um, uh, you know, those who are relying on us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that sense of believing, belonging, being heard, being stretched, um, being the difference, I think those are uh, expectations today of employees. Absolutely. I mean, first, you don't go into management. Well, some people get kind of pushed into management and then they end up being undertrained and don't know what they're doing, which obviously is, the, you know, the cycle uh, what was it? And I think I just recently threw this out there. This number might have changed. You might know, but it was like 8% of the people who move into management um, are actually trained. The rest have no, have no management, actual management training. I, that doesn't go for necessarily the C-suite, but, you know, just a general manage, manager role. And the point that I'm trying to get to, though, is that Typically, people who choose to get trained, move, and have an intentional, you know, drive to move into management, the goal that they have is to make an impact, try to make change, to make things better, to be able to walk away at the end of the day and say, I've accomplished, you know, what my goal was to accomplish today, and I've made an impact in some way or another, right? It doesn't Absolutely. matter. And it doesn't matter. It's, I'm not, this is not industry specific. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a service industry or if we're talking about a non-service industry distribution company or, you know, manufacturing company and you're in the management role. If you, you know, typically people who choose to manage other people, they, the goal that they have at the beginning is that I want to be able to help the people that I'm managing to be able to lift them up to do their job the best they can do. So at the end of the day, we're all moving in the same direction. But it often happens with organizations where managers are not being given the tools that they need to do that. And then you see these cultures just crumble. They just, they start to fall apart and you see pissed off managers who are creating volatile environments for the people that they're managing because they don't have the answers. They're not being able to, to provide them with what they need. And it just becomes this systemic issue and problem throughout many companies and in our society of, of, you know, people who are just not being treated the way that they should be treated because even upper management isn't paying attention to the fact that they're not giving what they need to those managers. Absolutely. You know, culture takes a lot of vision and care and feeding and an absolute in, intention. Intent for sure. Intent. And, and, you know, uh, I've throughout my career, I have worked in, across industries. My career started in manufacturing um, at Quad Graphics, uh, you know, a printing company here in Wisconsin. And I have to say that reflecting on the nearly 30 years of my career, the best leadership training I got was at Quad Graphics. Now that was under the leadership at that time of the founder, Harry Quadracci, who was an enlightened leader himself. And uh, he created an egalitarian environment that was, um, you know, whether people were considered were management in the traditional sense so the office leaders um, or leaders on uh, a press, on a binder, uh, 
in the finishing area. Um, we all came together for management leadership training um, to learn how to bring out the best in people. And uh, he made it, Harry Quadracci made a very significant and intentional investment in leadership development for his people and he modeled it himself and uh and you know that's the kind of commitment and vision that it takes to really drive a positive culture and that's great and you hear about you hear about these diamonds in a rough um, all the time you know where you you've got owners who walk around and personally think everybody at, at their company from the person who cleans the bathroom to the president, um, you know, of the organization, he treats every single individual, he or she, I, I don't like to say he, he or she, you know, owners of companies who walk around and, and they treat every single human at that company the same. It's, and it's, you don't hear it often, but you do hear of these leaders from, from, the past and those are the people that we should all be modeling our businesses you know modeling them uh, against you know absolutely be, there's great role models um and and i do think that there are progressive enlightened leaders and companies today that are uh are initiating positive culture evolution um and it's a you know it's a super challenging time as you started our conversation um, we have come through a cave that disrupted life as we know it mm -hmm. and that has challenged and stretched leaders and companies in ways that you know none of us anticipated um, but what I am seeing is that um, as companies, as organizations have regained their footing, um, leaders are taking advantage of this time to uh, invest in their employee development, in leadership development, recognizing that to attract, grow, mm -hmm. keep talent in an ever competitive environment um, that a positive culture a good workplace having good leaders really matter mm -hmm. yes and you know my day job i'm in staffing there was a time when um and and it this like just shot me through the heart when i would have companies come to me and i i would you know they would say to me well we've we've actually stopped doing the employee onboarding process until the, the until the employees here for a week and I'm like what what do you mean you're not you, you know you're not greeting the employee when they start on their first day like no wonder they're not staying for more than a week like and they're like well that that was why we stopped doing it because they just weren't staying here for a week and then we were wasting all of our time and I'm like well that doesn't mean that you need to stop greeting like You've obviously got something else going on. I mean, it's, but you're, you're right. We are finally, companies are finally really, oh, okay, that's not working either. Like, yeah, I know the, the things that I hear, the things that I deal with, but I think that now we're out the other side of the pandemic. Um, at least I am. I've, I'm done with it. <laughs> I've moved on. Um, I think the most of the world has, um, I think companies have tr finally started to figure out this was eye opening. It truly was eye opening that they can't, you can't be, you know, you no longer can say, oh yeah, number two employee, come over here, please. Number 22 employee. You actually have to know who they are. You actually have to put, you know, stock in them. You actually have to treat them like humans. And when they say, hey, I've got a family emergency, don't make them feel guilty about it because you know what? You make them feel guilty they're, they're going to start thinking about going somewhere else. And right now they've got a million different places to go. <laughs> so. Yeah. The, the environment today and for the future, you know, based on just demographic 
the demographic wave of changes that was then only accelerated by the pandemic and how the pandemic caused people to think differently about what sacrifices they were making or their families were making, um, that people do have more choices today. And there's not a line of 10 individuals waiting to fill that role. Um, and so, you know, for the better, it's been a wake up call to organizations, uh, to companies that investing in people, investing in leaders really does matter. Mm -hmm. And um, that it is a not only a competitive differentiator when it comes to talent, it's a competitive differentiator when it comes to the performance and the results that an organization can deliver. Right. Because right. how an organization treats its employees is absolutely mirrored in how those employees treat customers. Oh, absolutely. And and there was and when I say, you know, a lot of positions, you know, there there was a time when, you know, the only positions open were just, you know, the general labor, those we were lacking in that. But we're not just talking about positions being open at that level. We're talking about, I, you know, like four controller positions, C-suite level positions at across the board. I mean, it's positions at every level within organizations, starting with president, CEO, controllers, you know, tax. We're, we're talking about across the board. So, I, I mean, it's people like you who are going in and – doing the leadership training is is in order for companies to retain and keep employees if you don't have those you know that that level of culture you're it, the companies are going to fail they're gonna they're they're gonna lose great people to other companies who are investing in their people and it's I mean, right it's, and you know, and say. then it also, you know, I think it also becomes an oh, we're just going to have to increase wages or increase salaries. And you know, there are countless surveys that show that employees will select um, a great leader, a great team over salary mm -hmm. when they have you know comparable offers. Um, you know, right. when they feel right. compatibility, respect. Um, the opportunity to grow, you know, when those qualities are present, um, they will take those kind of opportunities over the, you know, the salary that might be five or 10% more. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I can, I use myself and many of my colleagues over the years as examples. There are times where I made career changes specifically and took a step back in salary because I was motivated by the team, the opportunity, the long-term growth opportunity um, of the organization, of my role, of my potential. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, to me, I saw that as an investment play. And uh, in my experience, it played out um, along the way mm -hmm. that I earned more, I had more responsibility. I grew faster, um, you know, as I made those choices too. So mm -hmm. it's not always about the money if people feel that they are being compensated adequately. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. Now we are coming to time. So <clears throat> the question of the season, if you could go back to your younger self and give yourself advice, when would you go back and what advice would you give yourself? Well, I'm all about like start early, start often. So I would go back to myself at age 22 and gosh, you know, try to pack, you know, three decades of wisdom into a sentence. But, um, you know, in short, I would tell myself, you know, be kind to yourself and be bold. Um, you know, I grew up with a type A father um, who instilled in me the desire to be a perfectionist, to always get it right. Um, and the reality is none of us are ever going to get it right. And so in some ways that held me back from 
taking risks from believing in myself um, along the way. And, um, you know, and then when we think about it, um, we often um, say uh, things to ourselves that we would never say to somebody else. You know, the self-talk um, that we have um, is often, often skews negative more than positive. And so that's where the be kind to yourself, Leslie, um, comes from is, uh, you know, cut yourself some slack and be generous with recognizing um, the goodness in, in yourself and, um, and acknowledging the warts too, but balancing that self-critique. And again, having worked with many different clients, um, we all have a voice on our shoulder that is talking back to us way more than it should be. So be kind, be bold. That's awesome. I, I love it. And um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because you know what? A 22-year-old me, a 22-year-old most people um, could use that advice. Well, I hope it, I hope as I am able to, and I do work with some uh, young people today too, as an aspect of my business. I, um, in fact, I recently worked with a young woman who is preparing for medical school interviews and, you know, talk about a pivotal life uh, moment. Mm -hmm. um, and another uh, young woman actually who is preparing for grad school interviews and uh and actually she's a performer a musical performer so auditions too but as i coach them i am helping to encourage that idea of um self-awareness self-reflection and um kindness to self yeah yeah awesome awesome if somebody wanted to reach out to you um how would they go about doing that yeah, a couple of ways. Thanks for asking. Uh, certainly visit my website, which is uh, www.teamoc3.com. So T-E-A-M-O-C, the number three, dot com. Or uh, my email, which is leslie at teamoc3.com, uh, or leslie at teamoc3. Um, the uh, uh, it's um, L-E-S-L-I-E. Excellent. Well, and that'll also be in the show notes. So if anybody does want to reach out to you, um, they can uh, find it in the show notes as well. But Leslie, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me today. It's been an awesome conversation. Uh, the privilege has been mine, Leanne. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.